Welcome to the Zen of Everything, a Zen take on life, love, laughter, and everything else. With Jundo Cohen, a real Zen master. That's me. And Kirk McElhern, that's me, a guy who knows a bit about Zen. Good morning, Jundo. How are you today? Uh, we have to do a podcast now. I'm not really into this. I know, right? It's like every two weeks on Tuesday. It's 10 a.m. Uh, for nah, me, 7 p.m. Nah. for you. It's probably more difficult after dinner. It's like the same old grind, the same old thing. How are we going to make this episode different than other episodes? I don't know. Did, did we? We were even so lazy. We kept putting off again and again procrastinating. What's the topic? Did we ever decide? I don't know. Was it motivation? Something about motivation? Oh, yeah. I'm really motivated about talking about motivation right now. Right. From, from a Zen perspective. Right. Yeah. Well, does Zen really think about motivation? Well, actually, a lot of things. And of course, we also non-think about motivation. But that yes. is our topic today, which uh, we did get motivated and actually decided quite a few days ago. So we're not totally unprepared for today. No, this is all performance when we open up a show like that. Yes, no, it, it, it's it, it, we're we're all set, guys. Don't worry. We we put uh, a whole ten minutes into planning this episode, so we're ready for you. <laughs> <laughs> so, what is our topic? Motivation. How to be motivated? People say they lack motivation. Time is money, you know, and there are things to do, uh, goals to achieve. We got to get ahead. Got to get ahead of the other guy, especially. You know. What does Zen have to say about this? Efficiency. It all comes down to efficiency. Right, Kirk? Yeah, and it's interesting what you said. We got to get ahead of the other guy. And that's so 1950s American, but it's so not Zen. Because in Zen, we want to help the other guy get ahead with us, right? Well, we all say, first off, there is no other guy. And okay. uh, second the, off... We, we can always say that, that we are the other guy and the other guy is us. And there's nowhere to go but here. Yep. And uh, we all go together when we're in our Sangha community, which is called this world. So the, if the other guy loses too badly, uh, that's not good either. So uh, we do have some interesting Buddhist and Zen perspectives on motivation. Now, how do you get motivated, Kurt? Well, it depends because there's motivation for work and it really comes down to that mystical sound, ka-ching. Yeah. I mean, I'm a freelancer. I'm a, I'm a digital hunter-gatherer, as it were. And if I don't work, I don't have money to pay my rent, to pay for my heating. It's three degrees below zero right now, centigrade at 10 in the morning. I don't have money to buy food. And it, it's, it's a simple calculus. You, unfortunately, you have to work to be able to survive. You know who agreed with you? Who? The Buddha and all the Zen masters. Do you know why? Dude, I am like so in tune with the Buddha and all the Zen masters. Tell me why. They had to pay the rent. They had to get up every day and say, oh, I got to put my robes on, get this bowl, walk and walk in my bare feet to the village. Uh, look, uh, I have to look, you know, that uh, I'm worthy of it. And then uh, they put food in my bowl. 
if you got up some days and you said, I didn't, uh, I don't feel like it, well, who's going to pay for the heating bill in the monastery? Who's going to build the monastery? Even Zen masters had communities to run, mouths to feed, rent to pay. Don't think that they were beyond a little bit of economics. Yep, yep, fair point. That sort of motivation is one kind of motivation, the, the work the, or the seeking food or whatever it is. The other kind of motivation is when I have a project that I want to do that's not professional. And I'm a huge procrastinator. I put things off a lot. But I've learned over the years, and I'm relatively old like you, that procrastination is not always a bad thing. It just means you're not ready to do something. Sometimes you need an idea to percolate in your mind before you can embark on it. And there are certain work tasks I have to do. Now, I'm a a writer, and sometimes an article is easy and sometimes it's difficult. Sometimes putting it off allows the article to write itself in my mind, and then when I get started, I can do it more quickly rather than trying to force myself to produce. That is true, too. Now, every, every situation is different, but there are times when I am a, a, a big supporter of some procrastination, and I think that Zen also teaches us that there's a time to walk and a time to sit still, a time to do something right away and a time to leave it be. And sometimes when you just sit, you know, which would seem like the least productive thing you can do, that's when the idea comes to you the inspiration. So even a little sitting can help you be motivated. I think we have this um, mistaken idea, which probably comes from like Taylorism and Henry Ford and all these early industrialists that we're only doing work when we're actually physically doing work. And it's, it's wrong because, I mean, there's all these stories of who was it? Einstein woke up and figured out the great um, equation Uh, E equals MC squared in his sleep or something. I don't know if it was actually him, but I think the guy who discovered the double helix did discover that in a dream or something. There's all these stories about this this passive thinking, this non-thinking thinking, if you want, which is a really Zen term, that when you let go of something, your brain is still churning in there, even though you're not aware of it, and it's creating new connections and new ideas. Well, our zendo here in Scuba is in Japan's Science City, a place of research think tanks. The space program is here. We have a particle collider. And I have had two scientists come to Zen and tell me that while they were sitting there, some aspect of their experimentation, some dilemma they were facing, became clear to them just from sitting. And I asked them, tell me, what did you find? And they tried to tell me. I had no idea what they were talking about. (laughs) Because they're scientists. I don't know. Something about mice. Gluons and neurons and pions and things. Yeah. 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 But sitting still can be very productive. It can. And and there's also all these Zen stories of people who were suddenly enlightened when they heard a sound. And someone who's sweeping the leaves in front of the monastery and not thinking, you know, doing this with certain kind of mindfulness of sweeping the leaves, but letting their mind wander. And it's the sound that all of a sudden wakes them up because their mind was doing something the whole time and they're not aware of it. That's exactly right. There is something about being still, clearing out the space that lets things arise. And some of that can be inspiration. But there's an important asterisk we have to put here. Ask me what that is. Asterisk? What's the important asterisk? Is that how you pronounce it? 
Oh, here we go with the pronunciation. Every week you correct my pronunciation. It's because you're <laughs> British. You're not British. I know you're American. You just live no. there. But uh, yeah. it, it's an asterisk. As yeah. Which one is the, the comic book about the little boy and his dog in Europe? Asterix is the Gaul who's fighting against Rome, and Obelix is his friend, and Ide Fix is his dog. Okay, anyway. We're Asterix off, with an X at the end. Anyway, anyway we're going be, off path here. We're going wandering. Off path. So there's an important codicil or uh, asterisk uh, that you've <laughs> obvious, which is, all right, so the Buddha and Dogen had to pay for the rent. And they were also great planners. You, you know, to make a sangha, to make a monastery, that's a major building project. And uh, at certain points, Master Dogen, the, the great Soto Zen teacher, he moved his entire flock to the other side of Japan because he had a sponsor, moved them all there. They built a temple. I guarantee you, he was looking at plans, picking out, what do you, what do, you do, countertop? You know, window window treatments, <laughs> whatever you do when you build a monastery, you know, getting the carpet right. It's a lot of work in that. And he's doing that. But here's the thing. Yes, we have to plan. We have to be motivated when we're Buddhists and Zen people. But to a point, all things in moderation, no balance. No, it's not about the winning and the goals and the achieving so much as to make something good and to be satisfied when you have. You wanted me to mention something uh, I posted in the Treely forum because someone was talking about productivity. And I work in technology, so I write about technology and apps and all that. And there's a big drive for ultimate productivity. And you have these productivity gurus that teach you how to do things more quickly. And here's what I wrote. Sometimes when you wait for motivation, it's because you're not ready. We're bombarded by productivity experts who tell us we need to use every minute when sometimes we need to just stop, wait, and listen to our minds to find the right time to act. Or not act. Or not act. If you think of the quintessential Zen archer waiting for the right moment to let the arrow go, mm. he's not in a hurry. He doesn't raise the bow and let it go immediately. He waits for the right moment, for the wind to be right, for his breathing to be right, etc. And in all of life, if we rush things, we'll do a sloppy job. We'll get them done more quickly, but they won't be done as well. You know, that, that, that was true about the archer when the other guy's not charging at him with a sword. He's not like, I got like, I, let me wait till I get the right breeze. Yeah, shooting at a target, not shooting at another person, obviously. There's a time you get motivated because the tiger is nipping at your butt. All right? Exactly. Which is an excellent yes. motivation. Excellent. Yes. There's only so long that you can put things off sometimes. This is true. But this also comes up to the idea of Zen, of the idea of enlightenment is there, but we're not striving for it. We're not trying to reach it. We're letting it happen by non-doing. That's right. If we tried to reach it, we'd never get there. It would just get further and further away. That's right. That's right. And there are things in life where you don't reach for things. You don't chase. You just stop and appreciate the treasure that's here. And this is important. You mentioned these gurus of motivation and efficiency and the people who use mindfulness to get ahead in business. I have nothing wrong with that in moderation. As I said, everybody has to pay the rent, right? But if you're too driven by goals, too driven by money, you're missing the point. Zen has a nice balance of sometimes being motivated and getting done what has to be done, and sometimes just resting 
not rushing, not sometimes not having a goal or doing anything. And the wise man knows which is which. Do not just be a prisoner of goals, efficiency, motivation, getting ahead. It's difficult for us. I want to say Westerners, but it's not only Westerners, it's for modern people. It's difficult when everything runs on a timetable. Let's say you take a train to work. It's going to leave on time if you're in a country where the trains run on time. So you have to be there at the right time, no matter how you feel when you get up in the morning, whether you feel motivated to go to work or whether you're a bit ill and you don't want to run for the train. Sometimes we have no choice. It was true 2,000 years ago, and it is today. You got to get up with the sun. You got seeds to sow in the field. You got a crop to harvest. You got to do what's got to get done. It is doggy dog. And our employers these days and companies, they're going to milk us from every hour of labor we can put in there. It's the oppression of the proletariat. But no, I'm, I'm getting off. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. This is, uh, this is yeah, no, no, no. Let's not talk revolution here. No, but there is something wrong about our system where we try to squeeze everything out of people and don't let them stop and truly rest and appreciate life. There has to be balance. What's interesting is that during COVID, with so many people working from home, companies that had never wanted to trust employees to work from home found that these employees were more productive. And I think there's two main reasons for this. And one of the reasons I became a freelancer is I did not want to commute. I grew up in New York City. I commuted from Queens to Manhattan pretty much an hour in the morning, an hour in the evening. While I got a lot of reading done on the subway, it wasn't very enjoyable. Gaining that hour or two hours a day of not commuting is invaluable. And the fact that you're at home in an environment that's comfortable instead of a noisy office means you can be more productive. Yeah, I, I'm also a translator. I work from home. And one of the reasons I, I picked that is, number one, I want to see my kids grow up. I get to see that. The yeah. other reason is I like working in my office someday. And it's optional whether I put pants on, you know? Exactly. I can, I can do my whole work without pants. Now, I used to do that when I worked in an office, but they objected. That was the thing. <laughs> but now here I'm free to do that if I want yeah. to. Yeah. Well, I'm free to take a break and go sit in the garden and watch the birds or walk around the village or do that sort of thing that you can't do in an office in a city. Now, I understand that not everyone can do a job like this. A lot of our jobs require that office work with meetings and meetings and meetings that are boring and useless. And it could have been done in an email, as they always say. I live out in the country here in Japan. It's a pretty rural area. And, but it borders on the city area. The people in the city area, mostly working for those think tanks and those mm-hmm. pharmaceutical companies and everyone over there in Science City, and they're working, nine, not nine to five, baby, not in Japan. These are working people, nine to 10 at night, go home, sleep, get up in the morning, come back again, yeah. right? Out here in the country part. Now, they're not the richest people. And they do do the farm work and they do do the things like carpentry or whatever they have to do here. There's a lot of time and it's slow. Now, you live in the countryside too, so you see this. There's times when they bust their butt, got to get the seed in the field, and a lot of time to sit around, chat with the neighbors, smoke a cigarette, just watch the sun come up. Yeah, I live next to a farm and my neighbors are farmers and they have 200 acres. Last week it rained quite hard in the UK and the old farmer was out there in his waders and his boots Had to. picking Brussels sprouts. And I don't know who likes Brussels sprouts. They're horrible. But then other times he'll stop and he'll talk, as you say, to the neighbors or to people here on holiday. And it's, it's a different type of rhythm. 
Uh, first of all, I like Brussels sprouts, but the you know Zed folks, we 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 develop equanimity. So if we, life gives you Brussels sprouts, <laughs> eat Brussels sprouts. But yeah, it's there's a time to rush and a time to sit still or be slow. And uh, maybe the French know this because I've been to some of their four-hour lunches. But uh, this is something we need to learn more in the West. There's a time you need to work hard and a time you need to stop. And if your life is too much one or the other, if you're only stopping and not getting anything done, it's a problem. If you're only working, 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 it's a problem. The, The best is, the Buddhist ideal, frankly, was there are times to work and times to work slowly or go slowly and times to rest. Now, how do we get motivated, though? This is the question. How do we make decisions and get motivated when we're not and we need to be? What do you do, Kurt? Well, as I said, for work, it's just about money. I know that I have to make a certain amount of money each month that, to that's not cover what my I'm expenses. Ta- I know. It's for other things. It's like, what's the motivation to sit on the cushion, right? Right. It can be really difficult because it's boring and, oh, my knees hurt. And, oh, it's too late. Oh, it's too early. Oh, it's too hot. Oh, it's too cold. And there's always an excuse. But you just have to find within you that little, that little nudge of motivation to help you make that decision. And the more you do it, the easier it is. This is it. Now, for me, it's not just getting on the cushion, which, frankly, even for me, after all these years, I get on the cushion every day. But sometimes I go, oh, you know, I'd rather do something else. There's something on the TV. What's going on? You know, <laughs> I, I, and I got to get on. And, and, but the other thing is government form. I don't know about you, but, you know, it comes up to tax season or something and I don't want to do it. And even I got to, you know, fill out something or yeah, this kind of thing. I, I tend to procrastinate greatly. This is where Zen taught me that we are more masters of our mind than we believe. So number one is you can just kind of hit a switch inside and say, I'm not a procrastinator. I'm a motivated individual. I'm just going to get started. And once the body gets moving, it goes. Now, the the great lesson here from Zen Monastery is if when they wake you up at four o'clock in the morning in the freezing cold in a winter's day, and you got to get up to get over there because the ceremony has to be done and the incense needs to be lit, and you need to sit and what do you do? The mind does not want to go. There's resistance, but you move the body. You just go. You, maybe it's as an automaton, but once you get moving, or once the pencil starts filling out the government form, or once you get your butt on the zazen cushion, you're more than halfway there. Well, there's also the abbot of the monastery who's got that stick, and he'll hit you if you don't get up. <laughs> That and, works too. And there's yeah. peer pressure. Yeah. There's peer pressure. If all the monks are getting up and you're the only one sleeping, they're all going to rag on you and they're going to make you get up eventually. Eventually, or they're going to toss you out the front door. That's true. If you want to stay in the monastery, you've got to do like everyone else. And in some ways, a, a monastery life is giving up your individuality, right? You're, you're blending yourself into a group of people. So your your motivation doesn't matter because you have to do what you're told. For us, it's a little bit different. Those tax forms aren't going to fill out themselves. Another asterisk. Asterisk? Asterisk. 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 Okay. I'm not a green monastic, as I've discussed on this yes. uh, podcast several times. My training in, in monasteries was a few weeks here, a few weeks there, because I'm a working man with a family. But I'm going to tell you the same thing applies. As a working man with a family, who was interested in Zen 
it's the same thing. There are things I don't want to do. And it's not the master in the monastery with a stick. It's more my wife with the broom handle sometimes <laughs> who keeps me motivated. There are things we have to do to survive. But Zen teaches us that we have control knob in ourselves. We can hit the reset button on the mind. Don't buy what the mind is telling you all the time when it says, put it off, delay. You can motivate yourself inside by thinking motivated thoughts, by pretending you are a great mover and shaker, by convincing yourself that you are a super achiever. You know what? You're more than 80% to being that super achiever that you imagine you will be. Just don't stay there all the time. Is this dial 1-800-JINDO for my motivational lectures on cassette tape? We should set that up at $2.50 a minute. Yes, let's set that one line up there. Uh, I want to share a productivity trick. Even though I mentioned productivity is overblown, what has made it easier for me to get these things out of the way that need to be done is I put them on my calendar. So... I've got to, I had to fill out tax forms last week. They're on my calendar. Boom. I've got to renew my passport. It's on my calendar. Boom. Now I have to put a new toilet seat in the bathroom upstairs. It's been on my calendar since December because I just move it from one day to the next because it's not something I really want to do. If you have something to do, it's easier if you write it down rather than keep it in your mind. If you put it on a piece of paper, on a calendar, on a computer or a phone, you're going to see what you have to do, and it will remind you of what you need to do. Yeah, but then I put off looking at the calendar, so... Uh, <laughs> a good oh, motivation. You're, you're, no, come on. You're a translator. You get jobs that you have to do. You have deadlines. You understand what it means to have to get things done. The, the, the point of adding other tasks to that same calendar or to-do list gives them the same value as your work in some ways. Yeah, well, I'm looking out my window. The blinking lights from the holidays are still blinking outside because I've been meaning to put them away for three days. But they're very pretty. There's no rush there. On the other hand, my clients for the translation, if I don't get that in right on time, I'm not going to yeah. have any clients. That's the tiger exactly. nipping in my butt. So there are yeah. times to let the Christmas lights shine. Let them. Who's in a rush to put them away? Well, by the way, we don't call them Christmas lights. Uh, we call them enlightenment lights in our house because, you know, the holidays, we, we don't have a Christmas. We discuss this. We don't have a Christmas tree. We have the Buddha yeah. sitting under the Dharma tree. Yes, all that. But anyway, I haven't put that away. The Dharma tree is still sitting there, too. It's looking lovely. I got to get that away. Otherwise, it'll be here for Halloween. I got to get it away. But the clients know I can't mess with those. Now, even the Buddha procrastinated and had a dilemma and had to make a choice. When he was enlightened under that Dharma tree, the Bodhi tree, he sat there and couldn't make a choice until, do you know the story of how he said, I don't know if I can teach, no one's going to listen to me, they're not going to get this. You know the story of what happened? This is when he saw the morning star, right? No, no, he had seen the morning star and he said, oh no, I got it. But I, I gonna, why should I get up from this tree? It's so lovely here. Why should I bother to teach people? I don't know. And you know what happened? Well, the great Indian god Indra came to him, saw him from heaven, came down and said, no, 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 someone will listen to you. You got to get up. You got to get up. And so the Buddha said, well, I don't know. And he got up and for the next 40 years, he taught and the rest is history. Now, did Indra really come down from heaven? I don't know. I think he just 
I don't think so. He, it's inside. He just said, let's do this. The Sanskrit word, I don't know, but it means let's do this. Let's get her done. <laughs> okay. So he got up and he started walking and the rest is, well, here we are today. It kind of reminds me of those Looney Tunes cartoons where there's a, um, a character and he's got a devil on one shoulder and an angel on the other shoulder talking to him, right? And the devil's telling him to just sit around and do nothing. The angel's telling him to get up and do something. It kind of reminds me of that. And that's what goes on in our mind, this conflict between the devil and the angel, which, you know, they're not really devils and angels, the concept between lethargy and energy, right? And there are different times when one wins out over the other. Well, that's between good and evil. I'm going to say, don't get motivated to do evil. We want to get motivated to do good things, <laughs> right? If you're going to get motivated, get motivated to build something constructive in the world, in your life, right? Okay? Choose well. We've discussed that many times. But what you're on to there is something very important, which is how to make a decision in the Zen way, which I'm sure the Buddha did when he was sitting under that tree thinking to get up, what Master Dogen did when he was thinking about moving to the other side of Japan to build that monastery, which is make a list of the pros and cons. What do you think about that? That's a good idea. A productivity list for and against doing anything. Okay, where do we go from here? I don't know about you, but I've got two articles to write and a podcast to edit. What about you today? I have no idea. I'm going back to bed. <laughs> <laughs> if you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe in iTunes or in your favorite podcast app. Please give us a rating. Tell your friends. You can check out past episodes at our website, zen-of-everything.com. Thanks for listening.